I'm Andrew from the Dad.io podcast. Life supplies the inputs and we supply the outputs. Part of the Going to Geek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other fantastic and amazing geeky shows at goingtogeeknetwork.com. Welcome to another creator special yay episode of Play Comics, where we are talking to a creator about a thing that they make, because I like when people make things and use their creativity to wonderful purposes. Today, we have somebody I think you have never, ever heard before, ever in your entire life on this show. No, that's a giant lie, because Luke Hare is back for round three. Luke, how are you today? Good, good. I mean, first she had me talking about the Dragon Ball Z and then the Eternals, and now it's something that I actually wrote. So I'm not going to just be put, trying to push together memories to recite this, and hopefully y'all ain't sick of me. Well, I mean, if nothing else, I'm not sick of you, and everybody's just going to have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Unless they, like leave five-star reviews and say, we'll keep giving you five-star reviews unless you have Luke on again. And then they'll all vanish. Oh, I really hope they don't do that because I will cry. Carrot stick. It's both a treat and a beat. Oh, let's think about happier things. Okay. Like comics. Uh Uh-huh. I heard a rumor that you are writing a comic. That I'm writing a comic? I am crowdfunding a comic. Yes. See, I'm glad that we could clear this rumor up. Uh-huh. Oh, there have been lots of rumors. I know some people have thought that I've been working on and kickstarting a comic called Sentai Slasher Summer Camp, but that's something totally different. Uh, what I'm kickstarting now is Super Slasher, the mini comic. I'm really excited about this one because, number one, your brand of craziness is odd brand with what i like in craziness Mm -hmm. but also the little preview that you gave me stops like the perfect little what the hell cliffhanger thank you thank you like uh what i wanted to do with the comic is give you like a satisfying trailer for what i want like you get a good story out of it and you can see where it goes. You also want to see more where it goes. But you get to understand characters. You have an arc. And uh, I think the 10-page mini comic that we are crowdfunding right now on uh, Kickstarter is that good taste. One of the questions that Abnonymous asked over on Twitter was, what, mm-hmm. if anything, inspired you to write Super Slasher? Oh, well, thank you for sending in that question, Abnonymous. Uh, So way back in 2013, back when the New 52 was a thing, uh, I had a editor who I was working with trying to get my start because 
I had been written up in a wizard.com uh, list of five writers to look out for in the next five years. And I was number two on that list. Number one was Max Landis, who sucks. And that's all I'll say about that. But uh, so the person who wrote that, who I still don't know who actually wrote that because of complicated reasons, uh, hooked me up with a young editor and writer he was working with. And uh, we were working on some projects together. And eventually he's like, hey, there is an opportunity to write Superboy. Do you want to try and do a pitch for it? And do you know a lot about New 52 Superboy? I do not. It was one of those books where nobody was really sure what to do with it for quite a while. And I hadn't even really been paying attention to it because I was living out in the middle of nowhere. Comics were expensive and I didn't really care about Superboy except for I think uh, Young Justice was starting to run around that time. And so I got to thinking, well, here's a guy who... Uh, is like a clone of Superman, but who has no real experience. Like, I I figured Teen Titans at that time where he had been a member and everything else was basically learning all of your human socialization from CW TV shows and other teen dramas and from people who will happily, like, murder and do violence. And that is not a way to, like, learn how to people. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, exactly. I am all over the Arrowverse shows, so that is actually something I know about. And so it was like, okay, so what if he recognizes this is a bad place to like, try and make a living, try and figure out who you are? And so at the same time, it was like, okay, well, what's uh, what's something similar to like your teen dramas where it's giving these people lots of responsibility, but also putting them into situations they're not ready for. And the answer was slasher movies because they're similarly, Oh, here's all these responsibilities that you have, but also you're going to be murdered. If you fail at any of them, if you're having sex too young, going to get murdered, having beer and drugs, going to get murdered. Uh, Just not going to church on Sunday morning, going to get murdered. And so the question was then, okay, well, if there is a slasher in this universe, why haven't they been caught by superheroes? And so eventually that led to the creation of the Buffy standard, who has been actively looking for this person and some other larger pieces of lore. And long story short, uh, DC hired classic Teen Titans writer Marv Wolfman to write the next arc. I never heard back from them. And uh, yeah, that was where the root of it came from. Boo on you, DC. Yeah, the book got canceled like 10 issues later. Okay, so maybe that's not so bad for you. No, I mean, I, I probably could have gotten a better one with a pitch that was like, oh, it's Superboy and Buffy versus Jason. But... Uh, you know, I am a much better writer than I am now. So one of the things that really caught me was the genre mashup here. And I did let my wife look at this preview too, except I didn't mm-hmm. tell her anything about it going into it. It was just, Hey, mm-hmm. read this thing. 
So she had a little bit of a different expectation than I did. She just was starting to look at it and, oh, here's this nice little romance thing. Whereas, you know, I, I knew the whole super slasher was going to show up eventually. Mm-hmm. So what really inspired this genre mashup that you've got going on? Uh, well, part of it was uh, like the whole idea of on these CW shows, you have people where for almost all of them getting into your teen romances is the most important thing. Like it's something that people are actively looking out for. And if you've been stuck in a kind of paramilitary organization of teen superheroes, you're going to try and get into someone who's not into that. And so it's just like, oh, well, obviously you put in a meet cute and then that can lead to uh, the big scene, which is the classic make out point car murder scene that fails because you're trying to stab a knife into a person with super thick skin. And so it was sort of trying to lead to that idea, but also writing things out in a way that you're getting more from both of the characters and that you can also go back to things later on and sort of recontextualize it and understand that this is a relationship based on a lot of physical attraction and just giving things a chance as opposed to necessarily there being a larger spark there. So I've seen you say multiple times that this is kind of like pulling Jason into this. Mm -hmm. So which Jason would you say this is the most like? I actually haven't watched any uh friday the 13th movies because i am a coward when it comes to horror high five me either which makes it great when i'm writing horror comics because like along with this there's also sentai slasher summer camp and a few other projects that i worked on with horror elements and it comes down to oh uh would this worry me and scare me yeah okay let's put that in there so I, I really don't know my Jason as well as I know uh, like a Michael Myers, but I'm, I'm going for that sort of enigmatic, you don't understand how they work, at least in this part of the comic figure. Uh, later on, there's some more explanations that I have planned. And like, I understand the background mechanics of what's going on in the story. But uh, right now, he gets to be an enigmatic figure who likes to murder teens. I should also add that that question was asked by Devin from Multiverse. You talking about Q. at Fredo Fett? Yes, at Fredo Yeah, Fett. my co-host. I have a feeling Rodney he was just trying to set you up. Kinda. I mean, he'll he'll probably not listen to this, but then ask me if how I answered the question. Then I'll be like, you remember that I don't like horror. And he'll be like, oh yeah, coward. That seems on brand. He's not listening. Mm-hmm. We we understand each other at this point after doing a podcast and coming up on our fifth anniversary of doing Multiversal Q. Well, Devin also wanted to keep things on brand to this show and wanted to know what video game franchise could these characters be worked into rather well. Uh, so the main characters for the comic are Chris and Tori, Chris being the Superboy analog uh, and Tori being the uh, Buffy analog. 
And uh, I don't know. That's a hard question. I haven't played a lot of video games where I think they'd work because mostly I've been playing Fire Emblem Three Houses and then I finally got Skyrim for the Switch and I've been doing a lot of Skyrim. I think before that was Pokemon. So I'm not really sure what I would say there. Out of those, I would say the answer is probably Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. Tori would probably go for like a dark and fighting team and... Chris would be normal and steel, most likely. So one of the things I'm really interested in is, are you making this as a series or more of like a one-shot thing? Uh, So I do have plans to go beyond the story, and part of it's going to be based on the reaction. Like if a publisher was interested in publishing more of it, uh, we have plans. I have the loose outline for what would be a graphic novel or a four or five issue miniseries. Uh, but if we don't really find that interest, the plan is uh, I'm planning on working with uh, Aster D'Amico, who you might know from the exiled uh, cover art uh, on a bunch of pages uh, to continue the story as a webcomic, alternatively. It's good to know that after the Kickstarter, there is a good possibility of seeing more of this. Oh, yeah, it's it's something that like I've started working on back in 2013. And so if I'm still trying to do it uh, seven years later, I I will put in the work to get this thing going one way or another. And I think uh, after uh seven years of learning and doing comics and getting some paid work for comics and then not doing comics for like two years i have a better approach than i did back then i have resources to make it happen and uh like aster and i were initially going to do an issue of the heroes international comic that i previously wrote together and then I got removed from that book when the publishers changed. So that never happened. And we've wanted to work together. So it's a opportunity I'm excited for. So for this one in particular, who handles which part of the creative work? Uh, I am scripting this one. And then uh, Caitlin Scannell is providing the art for it. I started the comic over a year ago and it was something where at the time Aster was busy and Caitlin's name came up and we hit it off in conversation and decided to go. And then, uh, you know, life happens, people get busy. So the comic wasn't really done until September, October of last year. And then with everything that happens in November and December, I didn't want to risk doing a Kickstarter. Then there was a Kickstarter union conversation that was going on. And so, it didn't get started until this year for the uh, mini comic fundraising. Now, the writing process is really something that I want to pick everybody's brain about with this. Um, one question that Cap understands from Twitter asked was how much of a backstory do you make for the characters before you start? Or does it just kind of flow from the story and fill itself out as you go along? Uh, that is a good question. Uh, so with uh, Super Slasher, it was something where uh, when I started making it its own thing and not just, oh, uh, this is DC fanfic, uh, 
it was something where I knew enough of the core of the characters that I was able to start writing. And then as I went, they started to evolve things or they started to evolve and develop characteristics from writing them. And that sort of informed what I knew of their backstory. Like there's things that I don't know, but what's really important, I have a framework around. And because of that, the pieces sort of have a way to fit in together. So do you think that you'll surprise yourself with some of the developments that come along later for these characters? Uh, definitely writing out more of it as I have. There have been some things that I didn't expect to come up. Uh, and then just trying to approach this in a few different ways. Like I tried doing sort of a, oh, well, if I was going to try and do this as a movie script, how would it work? Uh, like writing out a different introduction to it because it was going to be a totally different format. Uh, like build out the world in some ways I didn't expect. And just because I feel like I have to ask Q's and Tan Sirs on Twitter asked, is this the one with Sentai asking for a friend? Uh, you're asking for Zach and no, that is Sentai slasher summer camp. But that's a story about a group of garbage teens who have to protect kids at a summer camp when a, uh, impossible super slasher monster comes and is attacking both Sentai monsters and camp counselors alike. Look for that whenever I can find a collaborator who's interested in working on that. I wish I could art. Well, and that's that's one of the other things. Like, there was an earlier version of Super Slasher that I was working on with uh, Nicholas LeBlanc, who was an artist that I knew through Facebook and friend of a friend. And, uh, like, we got a good maybe 16, 17 pages done. And then he ended up having some uh, life changes. He is now a teacher up in northern Canada, and he just didn't have the time for it anymore. And, you know, it, life happens, things change. That's the way it goes. So what has the publishing process been like for this? And specifically from three hours later, what's the biggest hurdle you've had with getting this comic off the ground? Uh, so the publishing process, I mean, once it got uh, sort of rejected by DC, I put it on the back burner, uh, showed it to friends, because one of the things I don't think I mentioned is uh, Tori is a uh, trans woman. And so it was something where I wanted to uh, bring in some sensitivity readers to make sure that I wasn't doing anything that was potentially harmful or offensive. And uh, like that stuck around for the initial version. And then about three years ago, because Nick and I were working on it page by page, maybe a page a month for a year or two, uh, I ended up being like, oh, I want to make this work. I can save up some money, hire an artist and get this going. Uh, I ended up working with Danny Lore, who is uh, a wonderful, wonderful editor for a different version of this. Uh, Danny is currently doing some work. Uh, they are writing the James Bond and Ironheart 2020 comics. And uh, like they were a big help in me figuring out some more of the story. And then it sort of went on hold so I could find an artist. And then uh, now we're just at the point where we've got the 10 pages of art done. And we're 
working on printing it so I can have something to bring to a few shows and put out as a finished product eventually online and see what happens from there. So what was it like for you writing a trans character for this? Well, and that was something else that had happened more after the point, because like back when I had started, it was, oh, okay, well, let's write a trans character because there's a lot of discussion about how the new 52 was lacking in diversity. So I was like, okay, well, let's make a black trans monster hunter who neither of those factors are a big part of her character, which isn't necessarily the best way to phrase that. And going about it as I would have seven years ago might have not been great uh, because there's a lot of experiences that I was unaware of and a lot of understandings that I was unaware of based on the setting that I had planned for the comic to be in. And so having time to get to know more trans women and uh, people of color has definitely shaped how I understand Tori as a character. Yeah, definitely a lot of important learnings there. Honestly, a character like that is probably not one that I would ever think about writing, not for any malicious reason. Just, I tend to really stick with what I know. And I just hear in the real world, not internet side of things, don't know many people that fit into those categories, which you know, kind of sucks, but it, it it is what it is. I mean, yeah, I think there can be a tendency in especially nerd circles to fall into like certain groups of people who you regularly associate with, which is incredibly hard to break out of, especially if you're not making a conscientious effort. And then even if you are trying to make that effort, you have to make sure that it's a, oh, i not trying to meet you and befriend you so I can take your experiences and use that for validity for my own thing. And it's also equally when I wanted to write Tori as a trans character, it was something where I didn't want that to necessarily be the primary facet of why things happened to her. And because, uh, like one of the writing gigs that I had looked into was something that would have been a awful fit had I stuck with it. Um, Cause I used to be really active on the comics creator Reddit. And there was a guy who was like, Oh yeah, I'm looking for writers who aren't afraid of doing queer content. I was like, Oh no, that is perfectly fine. Let's write some stories with some queer content. And what the guy was looking for was looking for characters who didn't have a problem writing with characters who were transvestites or crossdressers. And I was like, yeah, that's great. I mean, it's something where you're breaking traditional rules of masculinity. I have some ideas. And then he was like, oh, okay, well, here, read some of the stories. And it was six of the exact same story about some, like, six-year-old kids trying on their mom's clothes and then one of them tries to kiss the other gets rejected and it's literally just a person reliving their trauma again and again and it's like okay i understand if that's something that you're going through but you can tell other types of stories with characters who are into cross-dressing 
or into other types of queerness that aren't just traumatic experiences, if that makes sense. Makes total sense to me. Yeah. I was going to try and do a like world traveling experience, uh, like your rough and tumble uh, adventurer guy who also enjoyed dressing in women's clothing every now and then. And yeah, that was not what they were looking for. So that did not go anywhere. That was also a bit of me trying to be like, oh, yeah, I want to use this character. I can tweak these things about him. But ultimately, I wanted to be for this story, which was also not great. So it's it's an interesting line to draw. Well, I think you hit a nice point here. I mean, obviously, as I've said before on the show, I do not fit any of those categories at all. But from having online friends who do, it seems to me that you haven't gone too offensive or anything. Also, you and me knowing the same people, you would be called out on your bullshit. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I've learned to start going forward to like look for sensitivity readers and do higher sensitivity readers because I mean I can go into things with what I hope are the best intentions and uh, totally just be like oh I didn't think of this aspect at all so what's it like finding somebody to be a sensitivity reader like do you go in and tell them specifically what you're looking for or are you giving them your story and just seeing what they come up with? Uh, it really depends on how and when you're going into it. It's also something where you want to make sure that they are fine being a sensitivity reader, not just like, oh, hey, you're my friend. Can you read this story for me and give me feedback? Uh, you are dealing with issues that are going to be potentially traumatic. And uh, that's not something that is fair for you is typically a uh i'll just say cis white dude to uh put on other people and uh yeah so it's something where you can talk to people and be like hey i'm looking for a sensitivity reader uh because i have trans characters i want to make sure that there's nothing that i'm doing that might be harmful or that takes things too far or uh like you can find people who are willing to give you feedback for almost any i don't want to say topic i guess identity would be the word that i'm looking for because i mean if i'm not going to say that it's purely for mercantile reasons but if they want better representation and can offer feedback especially if you're a friend that's something that can be helpful and it it helps to prevent awful awful story choices you know, preventing awful, awful soy choices, I think, is something that we should all be trying to avoid anyway. I think I just double yes. negative myself that into the bat, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Intentions to make things that are offensive, and it's important that they can have people who will call them out on things and not just be yes men to them uh, or end up becoming deflective tools for any criticism that comes at them for uh, sort of representation. I mean, there is a point where people can still be offended by 
what you do because it may not fall into what they're looking for as part of a queer experience or a black experience or other things. And part of that's there's not a lot of variety in what is depicted, at least in comic media, about these experiences. And so if they don't see something that applies to them or if they find something that they personally have issues with, having sensitivity readers won't prevent that, but it's at least a, I took these steps. I am sorry that this still bothered you. This was not my intention. Like being able to at least say that without lying is important. And I'm definitely not going to sit here and think that anybody here is capable of writing or drawing something that isn't going to upset or bother somebody in some way. But I also think it's really good that you have taken the steps to make sure that you are not going out and just accidentally saying the worst thing possible without knowing what you're doing. Or to just completely miss something that you don't understand because it's not part of your uh, range of experiences. Like there's the uh, badly written women tropes where it's like, oh, this guy does not understand how women put on bras and you can tell based on how they wrote a woman putting on a bra in their story. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about as well was other versions of Super Slasher. Um, Like, do you have, if this is something that expands out, would you like plan on bringing other horror tropes into it or anything like that? Uh, So Super Slasher is mostly planned as a contained story but it is part of a bigger universe that i have planned out and that i've written some other stories in uh i kind of think of it as a postmodern superhero universe like it's a universe where superheroes exist so their stories aren't going to follow what we would expect stories to follow uh one of the other things that i've done in a few different ways, both as a podcast that if you track it down, kudos to you because the website that it's on is very broken and I maybe try fixing it once or twice a year. Uh, One of the earlier projects that I had was called uh, Radio Hope and the Reader. And the premise was it's the like satellite era of the Justice League. But after their most recent crisis where a lot of their big heroes have died, They're making a satellite, not so they have like the ability to observe the world, but it's a think tank of the world's greatest scientists and also their families living with them. And so doing that as sort of a wacky family sitcom, but also important things are happening here and you get some questions. And uh, the whole thing for Radio Hope and the Reader was it was sort of your Doug Ramsey, your character who has a very specific power of being able to understand any language, who's brought on there in case they need it. But it's also something where in a world with like sentient robots and everything, you don't need a person who could read anything if you've got computers that can translate everything. So what happens when you are a sort of non-entity on a ship millions of miles in space 
with a bunch of people who don't see your point. Uh, and that was really a way of dealing with a lot of emotions about being stuck in the middle of nowhere uh, in farm country at the time. But like sort of expanding from that idea of uh, like what do superheroes watch? How do they view these problems? What would their media be like? And so doing mashups is sort of a way of doing that because like this is a rom-com slasher, but if you're targeted in a at, by a supernatural serial killer in a world where you have people with super hard skin or who can leap over tall buildings or who can fly, that's going to change the formula. So what other horror mashups do you see yourself using? Uh, I'm not sure beyond this. Like, uh, there is Sentai Slasher Summer Camp, which isn't part of that whole universe planned. Uh, that's going with some similar ideas, but I don't really know if there'd be others that would go in this. I mean, uh, Super Slasher eventually also has some sort of societal culty vibes to the horror but, uh, you know, I'd have to actually get this story done before I can figure out more. So I can't go out and give you money on the Kickstarter because, spoiler alert, I've already done that. But mm-hmm. if other people would like to do that, what kind of rewards can they look forward to? Ah, oh, well, thank you for asking. Uh, so if you want to just pledge anything, you are more than welcome to take that approach. But uh, the lowest level that we have is the $5 level where you'll get the mini comic that will be electronically sent to you. Uh, There's the $7 where uh, if you order that, you'll get a physical copy of the mini comic. And because we have uh, hit our first stretch goal, you'll also get a print that Kate Scannell will be uh, illustrating. And that will be sent along with you to the comic anywhere in the world. And then just for an extra $3 for $10, uh, you get a signed by Kate and I copy of the mini comic along with the print. And then our current stretch goals that we haven't hit as of this recording at 650, all of the copies of the comic will be printed in color. And then at $800, we will add in some additional sketches and commentaries. So I'll see if I can include some pages from the early version of the comic and then sketches and other notes. And then that uh, bonus commentary would also be included in the digital version if you only want to chip in five bucks. I know you've hit your funding, which was amazing, I think. And as of like 830 on the 19th of February, we haven't gotten Luke to the color and extra prints portions yet. I really hope we get there by the time this episode airs. I do, too. Uh, But if not, there's still time afterwards. So, Luke, it's been wonderful having you on again. You're just a wonderful human, and I'm very glad that you are putting something like this out into the world. Uh, Thank you uh, for having me on again to talk about stuff. I am glad that you are excited and that you are continuing to enjoy the work that I am producing. And if anybody wants to find anything else from you, where else can they find you around the Internet? Uh, so you can go to my Twitter, which is at Coltreg. That's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. Currently, I only have two podcasts going right now, which it's not a lot. It's weird. I, I just have 
free time and I mostly use it to play Skyrim. Uh, but you can go and check out Multiversal Q at multiversalq.com where we are currently covering all of the Ultimate Universe as part of Ultiversal Q. Uh, we recently covered Ultimate Power, which means that we are drawing ever closer to Ultimatum. We have been ranking stories. We are over a hundred stories now. And you want to know what's crazy? What's crazy? Brian Michael Bendis has both the top entry and the bottom entry. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, we haven't gotten to the really bad stuff yet, but Ultimate Power was just really bad. Um, Yeah, so you can check out that. Uh, I also am currently running RPG Pals Club, which is a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast that I GM. Uh, We're running the Waterdeep Dragon Heist campaign, but our game is a lot more about collecting dogs to open up a dog cafe and winning a battle of the bands. So, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, that sounds amazing. Uh, you can find that at RPGPals.club. And then I think the other things that I referenced back on the Eternals episode haven't happened. Uh, I've got a upcoming Pokemon-related project that's going to be called Established Property Playhouse. And then... Um, you know, I'm in talks to start a Nicolas Cage-related project... That I can't go into more details about, and then another project uh, that is going to be a post-exiled related thing with some of the people from that show. So, lots to look forward to in 2020, including getting your copy of Super Slasher. As always, if people want to hear more from me, you know where to go. This episode's about Luke. I'm not going through all of that. Head on over to Luke's Kickstarter, which there is a link down in the comments, also on his Twitter, also somewhere buried on my Twitter. Give him your money for making a cool thing, because it is a very cool thing, and I want it in color. I'm being selfish here. Help me get it in color, because I cannot personally fund the rest of the way to get there. I mean, you could always start a Kickstarter to get the funding to get that there. But yeah, let's get uh, Chris and Tori's adventure in color and then get that big audience boost that we need. That way I can continue this story and it can go into more wild places. I mean, uh, the 10-page mini doesn't even get to Youth Force. Youth Force is uh, Chris's old team of kind of awful uh, super teens. Okay, yes, let's make this happen. And then you can turn DC down. I mean, if they want to come with me for money or image or anyone else, I will sell out. But uh, yeah, let's just make this Kickstarter happen. And uh, thank you all for listening. Any other questions before we get started? A uh, favorite member of the Wu-Tang Clan. Um, I, I don't know. They're all just so wonderful. Plus, I forget which one is which. You can just say old dirty bastard and no one will really question it.